1: Find a location near you at slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile
0: banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey,
2: welcome to the Hell Has an Exit podcast. I'm your host, Brian Alzate. This show is not affiliated with any specific 12-step program. If you or a loved one is struggling with an addiction, please find a local 12-step meeting. If you believe you may need detox or drug treatment of any kind, please call 833-999-1877 to speak to a specialist. This show is sponsored by United Recovery Project, a state-of-the-art drug and alcohol rehab facility. You can visit our website at unitedrecoveryproject.com. All right. Hey, welcome to Hell Has an Exit. I'm your host, Brian Alzate. Today's a very special episode. Um, we have Jake the Snake with us today. Do you still go by Jake the Snake? <laughs> whatever, you whatever.
1: Want to, whatever you want to call me or sign the check. I hey, don't mind. Yeah,
2: there you go. Yeah, man, I I saw your uh, your documentary with the uh, Diamond Dallas Page and right. it was incredible, man. I mean, I was <laughs> telling you earlier, like a lot of times when you watch movies about addiction or anything like that, they might have like a couple periods of like of a relapse and then like it ends with them, you know, staying sober forever. And it just right. seems like, you know, a couple hiccups and, and they get on track. And oftentimes it's not really like that. And with no, your story, no, no. you can see how badly you wanted it oh. and how much you were really trying. And time and time again, you you know, you'd be watching it like, okay, this is going to be the time. Yeah. And then again, you would fuck it all up. And I remember yeah. just watching it like, wow, that's really what it's like.
1: that's yeah, devastating yeah. when you fall, man, whenever you mm-hmm. get to that point that you really want it. It seems you crushed all the wind
2: and air out of you, man. And, uh, yeah, those times really sucked. Mm-hmm. How did you feel watching it after uh, it came out?
1: It was strong. And, of course, there were some emotional parts to it. I wanted to help others because I know how bad I wanted it. And I knew what was available out there to people that do want it. Not much, mm-hmm. you know, unless you got deep pockets. I don't agree with some of the, the things they do in rehab. About half. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a better way to do things. Always looking for a better, smarter, faster way. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So that was pretty much it for me.
2: What do you think it was about Diamond Dallas Page that wanted him to kind of reach out to you and help you?
1: You know, he was getting something on the back end.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: He had just started this big yoga thing.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember that.
1: Yeah, and he was trying to push it. Mm -hmm. And uh, his business partner said, look, man, if we could get Jake to come in here and get sober and get back in shape.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We'll film the whole damn thing and we'll make a movie out of it. And just see what happens. Mm-hmm. And they asked me, and of course my deal was pretty pretty simple. The deal was I could leave all my troubles behind, leave all my debt behind, and he was going to come come and pick me up and satisfy my debts, keep me afloat while I was going through the rehab, no matter how long it took. Mm-hmm. Because I know you're going to rehab, they say, oh, 30 days, 60 yeah. days, 90 days. Bullshit. That just barely gets you started. Yep. And then they cast you back out there with all the sharks. And mm-hmm. the sharks rip your bones to death. They shred you, and you go back to use them. So I knew that story. So whenever I had the opportunity to, to move in with him for two years, or as long as it took, it took about two and a half, for me to get some solid ground under me, good chance it's going to work.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: you got to remember, I was at the bottom. I was at the very bottom. I was begging God to let me die. You know, I was tired of living. I didn't want to live no more. I didn't want to see another day. I wouldn't go shopping unless it was 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. I didn't want people to see me because I'd let my body go. My body was like 310 pounds, just a big roly-poly blivet, you know, just (laughs) hating myself, took the mirrors down in my house because I couldn't stand to look at myself. I mean, that's the amount of hate that you have because I was disgusted with myself for letting go And letting myself go to that point. Here I was very, very successful in wrestling. Gave that up. I had a beautiful family. Gave that up. Gave up everything for dope.
2: Yeah.
1: Are you serious? Gave up living for dope. And the last thing that I gave up was hope. I had no hope left. I didn't see a way out. The only way out for me was dying. That was the only way I seen out. And then I get a phone call from my buddy. And he wants me to do this thing. At the same time, they're going to film me getting in shape, doing yeah. DDPY yoga,
2: <laughs>
1: which at first I thought, well, this is
2: bullshit, fucking yoga, man. Yeah, and it was crazy to see how your body was hurting so much. You couldn't even, like, do some of the squat basic down. squat down. Yeah, you're in so much pain. Yeah, you
1: know. so all those things were real, but I let my body just get so overweight that I couldn't move. So the first thing that had to happen was something had to change. What got me hooked on DDPY Yoga was after about three weeks.
2: You're still a believer in it? Yes. Wow.
1: Oh, God, yeah. After about three weeks, I'd lost 10 pounds. Damn. Mm -hmm. Then after three more weeks, I'd lost another 10 pounds. Holy shit. Now I can look in the mirror and actually see a difference.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: 20 pounds off of a guy, you can see a difference. Yeah. Well, I kept going. I wound up losing 60 pounds. When my body started changing and I started being able to do the moves to get down on my hands and knees and get back up without having help, because when I first got down on my hands and knees, I had to have two people help me back to my damn feet. But now I'm popping down to the floor, doing push-ups, popping back up to my feet, doing moves, stretching, doing all the things that you need to do to keep your routine going. Me doing that and people watching my journey helped him tremendously sell his product. Yeah. You know, no doubt about that. He sold a shit ton of DDPY yoga while mm-hmm. I was doing that stuff, man. Because people got interested in it. They wanted to see the journey. And then all of a sudden, they're trying. I mean, I meet people all the time. This wow. say, Jake, man, you helped get me sober. Wow. Jake, uh, you helped me get into DDPY yoga. Now I've lost 80 pounds. I met one guy that lost 185 pounds. Wow. I'm like, Jesus Christ, that's another human being. hmm And he told me, he says, his proudest moment was being able to walk down to the mailbox and walk back. That's all he could do. But now he runs to the mailbox and runs back. So there's hope. Once you get hope back under your belt, everything's possible. But you got to believe it. And for me, believing it was watching, seeing to me was believing. Mm -hmm. Seeing that my body had changed, seeing that I was able to do things that I hadn't been able to do in years. Those things meant the world to me. And it gave me enough hope to continue to try.
2: How did you feel when you were living in the house and, um, you know, you would keep having like these slip ups? Relapses? Yeah.
1: Fucking brutal, man. That's when I had to really be careful because that's when I started listening to those voices. Mm-hmm. You're not worth it. See, I told you you couldn't do it. You're a piece of shit. You're going to die. don't you go ahead and die, it'll be easier. Yeah, I heard all the voices, man, all the crap. But I just had to keep saying, no, you know, no, I'm not going. No, I'm not going. And I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. One of the big things that I had to do was, it sounds so stupid, was I had to tell myself that I, I'm starting to like you, dude. Mm. Because I'd hated myself for so long. I just every time the word came out of my mouth, it was something that was knocking me or putting me down as a loser. You know, you had the world by the tail and you, you gave it away for dope. How stupid are you? I had to get out of that, so Dallas grabbed me and made me go stand in front of a mirror till I said, "I like you." <laughs> it took a while.
2: yeah, it didn't
1: happen overnight.
2: Yeah, I remember uh you know, like when I got clean, one of my first assignments was to do seven positive affirmations in the mirror. And, you know, I didn't take the mirror down, but, like, when I first got clean, I would always get ready with the lights off because I couldn't look at myself in the mirror. Like, I hated myself. Yeah. And a lot of addicts, you know, they think that, that oh, if I just got clean, then everything would be fine. But then you have no. all this self-hatred. You have all these regrets. People start bringing up the past constantly. Yeah. You feel like, you know, everyone else has surpassed you in life. How was it being in total addiction and just seeing, like, everybody else that you had, oh, man. you know? Here's all these monkeys that I've went
1: past, blew them out of the water, mm-hmm. and they're doing so friggin' good. And I'm thinking to myself, "See what you blown away? See what you gave up? These guys have the world by the tail now, and you're ten times better than they are." That was tough. Mm-hmm. Getting yourself back on that track was pretty damn tough too, because you got to start sacrificing. You got to start picking and choosing. You know, one of the things that I had to do, and I'm sure you know it too, is picking new friends. Yeah. New play toys, mm-hmm. new play things, new places.
2: You got to go through all that. Pretty much, you're just going to empty out your
1: closet and start
2: over. Yeah. And Probably you know, be a faster, better way to do it. When you get new friends, you kind of feel like you're betraying the people that were the only people there for you through the misery. And you don't want to be yeah. someone like cutting your friends off. But in, in the reality, it's like you got to do what's best for you. You know, yeah. you want you to be out selfish with one time, man. Yeah.
1: You got to get selfish one time because here's the bottom line. This is your last shot.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If you let this get away from you, chances are you're not going to make it.
2: Yeah, and that's a
1: hard thing to say, but it's true. Oh, you might stumble on for another ten or fifteen years, but you're going down, and you're going to go down friggin' hard, brother. Mm-hmm. As far as letting go of old friends, as long as they're sober friends, there's no reason. You know, I kept yeah. some of my old friends, but of they course. were they were sober friends. Yeah, you got to get real one time.
2: Let's go uh, from the beginning. So, how did everything? unfold for you what was growing up like you know i know you had an abusive father
1: thank god he wasn't around much i was when i was born i was born in 1955 my mother was 13 years old she had been raped by my father she was 12 when he
2: raped her and when that happened at that time people didn't say anything in the hospital
1: Oh no man it was okay getting married
2: oh that's so (laughs) insane of course before it was over with he wound up raping
1: her sister too
2: jesus and
1: knocked her up uh, they had three children together. He had another one with the other sister, and then he was gone. Uh, I was left to live with my grandparents and my mother. My mother, now you think, well, why couldn't she support you? Well, she was 17 now, with three kids. What kind of support is that? You know, the minimum wage then was probably like a buck 10 or buck $1. 20. You know, how in the hell is she going to afford a home or anything else? So they wound up giving one of my my siblings away, giving my brother away to my aunt. On my dad's side, his sister. So he, she, he went to live with them, and they raised him. And he had addiction problems too. Of course, I definitely had addiction problems, and I had a sister. I didn't know at the time, but my sister was already being molested by my father. Wow! You know, he molested both of his daughters. He was a horrible man. But
2: growing up in that, and then, and he was also a famous wrestler, right?
1: Yeah, much bigger than me. He was seven. He was seven foot and four hundred and twenty-five pounds.
2: What do you think happened to him to make him like that? Do you know anything know. about his childhood? Do you know I him? don't
1: know anything about his childhood. Wow. I know that my grandfather, his dad, was a hopeless alcoholic. Wow. He had been in an oil-filled accident. And his legs got crushed, and he was in the hospital for over a year while they broke and rebroke his legs, mm. <laughs> trying to get him straight,
2: because
1: wow. that's the way they did it in the 1930s. Well, the whole time he was in the hospital, he was hooked up to morphine. When they let him out of the hospital, he had a slight problem. Of course. Well, he couldn't get morphine on the corner like he can today. He turned to alcohol. He drank a fifth of whiskey every day the rest of his life. They told him, you know, drinking that whiskey is going to kill you. Well, it did. He was 92 years old when he died. But he didn't remember the last 20 years of his life. He couldn't. I mean, he would call me my dad's name. He was thinking me that I was his son. Oh, wow. You know, so he was pretty much out of it. But I stayed with them till I was thirteen. Then I moved in with my father and his new wife, who immediately started molesting me.
2: The wife did. Yeah,
1: yeah. She made me have sex with her, then beat beat me afterwards, which kind of confused me. Yeah, it was pretty messed up, man. But you know, at the time she was only like twenty one.
2: My dad was a real bastard, man.
1: But I got through that. Became a wrestler, much to my dad's uh, anger. He didn't want me anywhere near it. Became a wrestler, and uh, shortly after I became a wrestler a couple years into it, my sister was kidnapped and murdered. And the problem was she had gotten married to a 50-year-old man.
2: Mm. She was 19. What's that about? And what state is this?
1: Texas. Mm. Uh, What was that about? Well, what that was about was she was used to being molested by her father. Mm. So she wanted somebody in that age bracket. But a year and a half into the marriage, she's kidnapped and murdered by his ex-wife. She went to prison for uh, kidnapping, but not murder, because they could never find the body. And that was a tough one. Were you and
2: your sister really close?
1: No. In fact, growing up, I treated her pretty shitty. The reason I did is because she kept getting pregnant. She got pregnant three times in high school. And each time I beat her ass. Because I was afraid we were going to get kicked out of this house. Because we had left my dad and moved in with my mom. My mom's house was pretty straight. Things were pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I kept thinking she's gonna get us kicked out. So I'd beat her ass, man. Don't fuck around like, don't fuck up like that, you know? Come on, what are you doing? We're gonna get kicked out. I don't wanna go back. And I was terrified of going back.
2: Remember those New Year's goals you promised you'd stick to? HelloFresh is here to help you eat better by delivering fresh ingredients and easy recipes right to your door, taking the hassle out of dinner time. No matter your lifestyle or meal preferences, HelloFresh has recipes sure to please everyone at your table. From fit and wholesome to veggie or family friendly, you'll always find something even the pickiest eaters will enjoy. You'll only find quality ingredients in HelloFresh's recipes. In fact, ingredients travel from the farm to your home in less than 7 days so you know they're fresh. HelloFresh helps me save time and eat healthy. Go to HelloFresh.com slash exit65 and use code exit65 for 65% off plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash exit65 and use code exit65 for 65% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit.
1: Um, that woman not only sexually abused me, she had physically abused me too.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, things like pouring hot water on my crotch, scalding me, things like that.
2: Wow. When was the first time you started to talk about these things?
1: Oh, not till I was in my late 40s. Too ashamed.
2: So what made you want to become a wrestler if you hated your dad so much?
1: Well, that's crazy how hate is, man. I had uh, graduated in high school. I was the first one in my family to graduate from high school, and I did it with honors. He didn't show up. He never showed up for a ball game, whether it was football or baseball i was pretty good at baseball he never showed up didn't come to graduation nothing Mm -hmm. and i'm like what the fuck you know because i wanted my dad to be proud of me i didn't know that him and his wife were in cahoots with this molestation thing but they were he knew what she was doing and she knew what he was doing i wanted him to be proud of me because a kid wants that so after graduation i went down to see him i'm like hey you know i'm going to college i am gonna be an architect that was my dream and he was like well i hope you don't want anything from me Hmm. I'm like, fuck, you haven't given me anything my whole life. Why would you start now? A couple of nights later, I went to a wrestling show. And between alcohol and hearing the fans cheer, I decided if I wanted my dad to like me, what I needed to do was get in the ring and beat up a wrestler. It seemed so clear. Hmm. It seemed perfect. I thought this through.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, except for one thing, the other wrestler, because he wore my ass out. <laughs> He punished me, made me piss myself in the ring. Wow. Oh, yeah. It was horrible, man. He took his time doing it to about 15 minutes worth. At the end of it, I couldn't even stand up. I was shaking so bad.
2: So when people say, like, wrestling's fake.
1: They don't have a clue. They don't have a clue what can happen. Mm -hmm. Not that it does much unless somebody stupid like me gets in there. <laughs> I crawled back to the locker room and my father was standing there outside the locker room door He looked at me and he goes, you're gutless, I'm ashamed of you and you'll never amount to anything. And opened the door and walked in and shut the door. Wouldn't even let me in the fucking locker room. It was brutal, man. I remember that night like yesterday. I remember going home that night and praying to the devil and to God, help me become a wrestler. I'll do anything, I'll cheat, I'll lie, I'll steal. I'll do anything it takes to become a wrestler.
2: So it was really to spite him to yes, be like, oh, you, you think I'm going to do, do your job better than you. All out of hate. And no matter what
1: I accomplished, he would never tell me how proud he was of me. Yet he would tell other people he was proud of me.
2: So when you became a wrestler, he would tell other people, but he wouldn't tell you?
1: He'd tell other people, wouldn't tell me shit. Yeah. And uh, I surpassed him early on.
2: What about Jake the Snake made you such an amazing wrestler? And the dark character. Where did that, that come from?
1: From my childhood,
2: Yeah.
1: hiding, constantly trying to hide from the truth. Didn't want anybody to know that I was a bedwetter until I was 12 years old. Didn't want anybody to know that I'd been raped. Didn't want anybody to know that, you know, my sister was, a, my, my father was a pedophile. Didn't want anybody to know all these secrets. So what's the best way to hide a secret? Put something else out there so nobody will talk to you, okay? Mm-hmm. Put a fucking snake in a
2: room. Mm-hmm. People are going to gravitate towards the snake, not you. What made you want to pick the snake? Like, where did the, where did the snake come from? Because I've never seen, everybody's I've, I've afraid never, of the snake. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen <laughs> anybody including else me. In that. You're afraid of snakes. I'm horribly afraid of snakes. You don't like snakes till today.
1: Can't stand them. Scared to death of them. Wow. But when that bell rings, mm-hmm. Jake Roberts comes in the room. So you,
2: so you had this alter ego to protect you.
1: Right. This alter ego ain't afraid of fucking nothing. Don't give a fuck. The snake bites me, so what? I'll laugh at it. Mm. It's not easy
2: to laugh, by the way, when you get bit. <laughs> How many times have you been bit? Probably about 20. 20?
1: Okay. Yeah. The worst was about 35 stitches.
2: And, and it's a python?
1: That was a python, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been bitten by pythons, king cobras. Of course, they were devenomized.
2: Mm-hmm. Still a king cobra. So, So you become this wrestler. Your dad is proud of you, but he never says it All to right. you. How did it feel when you would hear that he was proud of you from other people though I just shake my head yeah like fuck
1: it I don't I don't need to hear that shit I don't want to hear
2: it What goes on in your life with the fame and fortune and celebrity now no back then
1: oh back then it was a fucking roller coaster man you know I could get anything I wanted which led me to sexual addiction
0: mm-hmm.
1: alcohol addiction drug addiction about every addiction there was I was on I was on board there you go. If it's good, I want more. Mm -hmm. What are you addicted to? More. (laughs) I heard someone say that in a
2: meeting one time. (laughs) What's
1: your addiction to? More.
2: (laughs) Yes, sir. What drugs were you mainly doing at the time? Coke. Yeah. uh, Mainly. Alcohol. And you could do Coke and go perform or it was after you Yeah. 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 And then I got into Percocet's. Did people try, what was the interventions like early on where people were trying to tell you, hey, you know, Not watch what something? People were just were like, oh, whatever, as long as he like, keeps Jake,
1: you got, you're cool, man, right? Yeah, I'm cool. And that's one thing that Vince McMahon told me. He goes, Jake, the problem with you getting fucked up is you would still do your job. Mm-hmm. The guys that went out with you and got fucked up wouldn't even show up.
2: So you're a bad influence. So I'm else. a
1: bad influence. Mm-hmm. So I had to go to rehab while well, they didn't go to rehab. I did. Mm-hmm. They wanted to nip it in the bud.
2: <laughs> who from your early wrestling days were, like, influential people to you that really helped you?
1: Not many, man, because I was a loner.
2: Mm.
1: You know, I was a loner that uh, that hit Eddie Graham, who was very, very, very huge in Florida, Florida Championship Wrestling. Dusty Rhodes, uh, the other names you wouldn't know.
2: Can you walk me through, like, kind of what makes wrestling so, you know, and captivating? Like, what is it about wrestling that you loved?
1: Well, it's it's the good versus the evil.
2: Yeah, it's you know, the sh- show and the story. Yeah,
1: that's the story, you know. And, uh-huh. and then you got to get it out there. And however you get it out there is up to you. I love being a bad guy.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, I just love
1: being a you know a prick. You know, and I love people to hate me <laughs> because that's that's what I did too. I mean, uh-huh. I've taken people pretty far. I've taken them too far. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a guy stand up in the, like the ninth row in Dallas, Texas, and pull out a pistol and start shooting at me.
2: Wow. And During a show? During a show? Yeah. What'd you do to him?
1: Not a fucking thing, man. I <laughs> jumped underneath the you. ring. Wow. <laughs> the cops got him. Then I had a, a 74-year-old woman cut me with a box cutter. What? Yeah, where? On the back of the arm.
2: But where were you?
1: I was walking to the ring in San Antonio, Texas. And she cut you? And she cut me. And my security... All of a sudden, they disappear. I'm like, "What the fuck? Where's my security?" And I turn, and they got this old woman down. Well, I think she's had a heart attack. Uh-huh. I'm like, "Dude, is she gonna be okay? She have a heart attack?" And no, man, she fucking cut you.
2: What was her rationale? She just the reason
1: she did it was because she was at home and she woke in, and the grandkids were watching wrestling, and I was on. And she told them kids, "She goes, I eyes around him. I cut that some bitch up in pieces." He what? would pull that bullshit with me, and they're like, oh, granny, shut up. and Go on back to your room, you know, and they laughed at her.
2: And she went and did it?
1: She, yeah, she, he, she showed them. She don't fuck around. Grandma's going <laughs> to fuck around,
2: man. That's so insane. That's crazy. When
1: I heard that story, I just gave her a big hug and told her to go home.
2: Wow. <laughs> you, but I did kick her while she was down. <laughs> <laughs> there you go.
1: <laughs> Only twice.
2: Yeah. Wow, that's insane. You really enjoyed, like, the story and being the bad guy. Oh, yeah. So you think that, um, obviously, you just start to kind of become this character?
1: Oh, yeah, no doubt. Jake took over because Jake was a safe place. Jake Roberts never had a problem with anything. But outside that ring, the world caved in on him, man. And the world kept getting smaller for me, you know, because more people knew more about me. More people wanted more time with me. Pretty soon, everybody's wanting time with me that I have no time at all. And then you start to suffocate. And when you start suffocating, that's when you really start reaching out for drugs that will make None you forget.
2: I yeah. Mm-hmm. You when your career started to decline, what were some of the things that started to happen that were, like, instrumental in that decline?
1: It never did decline. Uh, when I quit, I was still—
2: So you quit when you are at the top? At
1: the top, yeah. You I mean, there were a few shows that I was fucked up on, but not, I didn't even count that shit.
2: Mm-hmm. But no, I quit at the top. And what happened in your life after that? It went
1: right straight to hell because now I'm facing a new drug addiction. I want that I want that rush back from the fans, mm-hmm. and I'm not getting it. And uh, my psychiatrist told me, he goes, I'm worried because you've got to find something to fill that hole. And uh, I didn't find it. I didn't find it, so I crashed down.
2: How many years were you drinking on a daily basis before you did get sober?
1: Oh, God, 20. Wow, Cocaine every day for twenty years mm-hmm. I don't know how now I survived it.
2: yeah, and the detox from alcohol after twenty years must have been so brutal.
1: Not a problem at all, really No, I went straight from being on the street, using to living with that da- living with Dallas, and I did't I never went into convulsions I never what
2: you know, do you think that is a gift know. from God Wow did, did you always believe in God? Oh yeah, always. Yeah. Not always. Who in your family was there to be like a spiritual figure? There wasn't in one. In. Wow. So I picked it up after I got on the road and started hearing hope. So when you start living, those months prior to living to, to Dallas, were you at your lowest point ever? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I didn't know where my next meal was coming from or my next hit. Mm. And I was more concerned of when my next hit was going to come.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. the food. yeah. Yeah, because I remember uh, watching the show, and and uh, he's like, "Oh, when's the last time you smoked crack?" You're like, uh oh. <laughs> a week ago, a day ago, yesterday." Yeah,
1: yeah yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I didn't want to tell him the truth, man.
2: <laughs> yeah, especially with crack, it's such a like a dirty drug that there's like so know, much, so much shit. In yeah, it, you don't want to tell people that. Yeah, yeah
1: it's got a, it's got a it's got a bad aura around
2: it. Of course. Yeah.
1: <laughs> really. mm
2: Hmm. Uh, let me ask you, what do you think was like the, the defining moment for you to stay stopped?
1: When I was living in that house and really wanting to,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I had the support system that I needed, and I still failed, it crushed me. It crushed me. And I was so angry at myself for failing. And then I started looking at what all I did to be able to get away from them so I could go get high, how manipulative I came. Mm how I just lied my ass off just so I could get across the street and go have five shots of liquor mm. and then run back terrified. I just hated that feeling that I lost again. And then I had to go in and tell Dallas that I lost. And then I'm looking at him like, is this it? He says, no, I'm not giving up on you. You're not getting out that easy. Are you fucking kidding me? I fucked up, kicked me out. I wanted to be kicked out. Yeah, of course. So I go get high. He wouldn't do it. Fucking dick.
2: <laughs> yeah, he had a lot of uh, patience and he was, you could tell that he didn't know much about alcoholism, but he yeah. was gonna figure it out. Yeah. He, was, he oh, yeah. was making calls and he was trying to figure out what to do. And uh, it was really interesting to see like a non-addict or non-alcoholic really try to figure it out. Yeah. And and at first, when you kept drinking, he was so angry, oh, which yeah. is what our family does. Like, yeah. how could you drink again? But You know, as someone in recovery watching the show, it's like, well, I mean, dude, you leave someone in their first year clean alone for too long. I mean, it's going to happen. Yeah, that's basically it. It's going to
1: happen. Yeah, that's what I tell people. You know, I mean, the whole time I was with Dallas, the deal what? Well, not the whole time, but after the first fuck up, you can no longer leave the house alone. Mm. you got to take somebody with
2: you. Do not walk out that door by yourself. Yeah. And, And sometimes it's it's... When when it's you, you don't think that when you leave, you're gonna get hot. No, you're like, why no. do I need a babysitter? Like I'm, yeah, I'm just gonna I'm go a to the store, it, man. Yeah, I'm gonna go to the store. I'm you a think goddamn I need man, yeah. man.
1: Don't tell me I gotta have somebody tell me which way to go. Mm-hmm. But see, at least I was smart enough. I had a moment of clarity that I cut up my driver's license. Wow, which was big, man. Because right there, you cut up your driver's license. You're not driving anywhere.
2: Yeah, it's getting rid of those res- reservations and. And making the road more narrow, so you don't yeah, have that much absolutely. freedom, you know. And sometimes you have to do self-imposed things. Like sometimes people they get put on probation. Sometimes yeah. you got to put yourself on probation. Damn straight, you know what I mean? brother. You, you got to have account- out on accountability. You got to give yourself a curfew. You, you got to tell other people, hey, this is what's going on. So that way, you know, like now they're watching you closer, and uh, and the disease doesn't want you to do that. The disease wants you to say like, oh no, it's fine, oh, yeah, you know.
1: Sure. Cunning.
2: Cunning. Yeah. Cunning, baffling, insidious, always there, waiting.
1: Absolutely. Doing um, push-ups while he waits.
2: Yes, sir. Uh, what was I going to say? What do you think was the moment where things started to get better that you started to see, like, hey, maybe I'm going to stick with this?
1: Oh, after I lost that first 10 pounds. Yeah. Because it had been so long.
2: Do you see any progress? Since
1: I've seen any progress, any any light is the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. My tunnel was black. Yeah. Deep black. And when I seen that little glimpse of, oh my God, there might be a way out. Mm. Like your sign says, hell has an exit.
2: Yeah.
1: It does, man.
0: Welcome to the Genesis House powered by the United Recovery Project. Located in sunny South Florida, we offer drug and alcohol addiction treatment as well as a major focus on dual diagnosis. Our addiction therapy programs include behavioral therapy, 12-step facilitation, psychotherapy, life skills training, and more. At our facility, you can expect a low client-to-staff ratio, daily group therapy, weekly one-on-one therapy sessions, and luxury amenities such as volleyball, basketball, pool, chiropractor, personal trainer, yoga, massage therapy, and more. Contact the United Recovery Project today, and let's create a better tomorrow.
2: It's not easy. Yeah, and it's like you don't need, uh, you know, like this guy that here speak all the time, he always says, like, you don't need a gallon to start a lawnmower. You just need that little bit. And it's, it's like it. once you get that little mustard seed of hope, it's like, It'll you, grow, man. Yeah, it starts to grow, and you start to nurture it, and
1: yeah, man, you start doing more things that are right, more mm-hmm. things that are good. The next thing you know, you got a smile on your face. Holy fuck, yeah. what's going on here?
2: He's telling people good morning. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Hey, how does it feel? Because I know I struggle with this a lot. When you'd be sober, trying as hard as you can, and people would accuse you of using, but you really wouldn't be using.
1: Oh, it. I just laugh at them. Yeah. Fuck you. I don't have time for your stupid shit. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that hurt me most, man, was uh, watching Scott Hall. You know, he, he came into the crib and lived with us for a while.
2: Was that Razor Ramon? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And he didn't make it. He died. Well, that well, was really,
2: what did he die from? Basically laying in a floor for two days. Wow. Yeah, seeing him. So when did he pass away? When you were in the house?
1: No, no, no. He passed away two years ago.
2: Two years ago. From now. Wow. wow. From today. Yeah. Wow.
1: You know, you'd hear that he wasn't getting out. And I knew if he, you know, he did the worst thing possible. He would get in his house by himself and lock the door. Yeah. He wouldn't let people in, wouldn't talk to people. Oh, well. But that's a friendly reminder to me not mm-hmm. to ever open that door.
2: How do you deal with, you know, the deaths of other people? and Because it's a big part of recovery that a lot of people don't really realize. Yeah. You know, you get close to all these other people in the program that are in sobriety or recovery and, and not everyone dies makes it. yeah one of them yeah. dies and
1: well you go back to the truth what happened
2: mm-hmm.
1: and what happened is they picked up again
2: yeah yeah i was watching this documentary about uh like the beginning of uh of uh a and how it started and bill oh, w yeah. and bill w was saying you know people are like oh how, you know how do people stay stopped? but it's not the stopping it's the starting yeah so it's like how do you not start again you know true that what did it feel like when you got reinducted to the Hall of Fame?
1: Oh, it was awesome, bro.
2: That was so cool. Yeah, God, yeah. yeah I the, never thought
1: that was going to happen.
2: When the documentary ended like that and you got to see someone go from like zero to hero, yeah. it was really inspiring to watch to see that. You yeah, know? it
1: was a great ending for the film.
2: So I got clean at 17. I was smoking crack when I was 14. And a lot of people tell me like, oh, it must have be been really hard to get clean at your age. Sometimes, at, any age. <laughs> at any age it's hard, you know what I mean? But it's like sometimes I feel like, you know, at 17 I didn't have a house, I didn't have a mortgage, I didn't have kids, yeah. I didn't fuck up my whole life. I still had, you know, a chance to, to 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 get credit, you know? Yeah. And it's like I didn't have a bunch of bankruptcies. So, like, at sometimes I feel like that's the best age to get clean at, but what was it like getting clean at your age? It was hell, man, because
1: once you got clean I still had to go back and fix a lot of things, you know? Yeah. I mean, a lot of, uh, we talk about bankruptcies. I never was bankrupt, but, damn, I was broke, brother. I was beyond broke. (laughs) I wasn't Mm -hmm. at the bottom of the barrel. I was under the barrel. Yeah. But uh, number one for me was to to get all my child support and everything straight Mm -hmm. because you don't go from making a half a million a year to making nothing and and not have problems. I mean, because the court doesn't give a shit court told me to go out and get two jobs in yeah (laughs) it's like sorry man but i can't wrestle anymore i'm too fucking old Mm -hmm. well it's not my problem should have thought that before you had those kids Mm. (laughs) are you kidding me how are you supposed to pay six thousand dollars a month child support when you don't have a job that's crazy that adds up real quick bro
2: Mm -hmm. you know what's your relationship like now with uh diamond Dallas page great You guys still yeah i just talked to him before i got here oh that's cool yeah what does he say about all this he loves it he thinks it's so cool he's proud of you You
1: yeah yeah he loves it man
2: let me ask you when your father died how did you how did that make you feel relief wow relief towards the end he never said sorry or anything like that huh no
1: towards the end he was a he was just he went from weighing 425 pounds to weighing 150 and he was curled up in the bed like in a fetal position didn't talk, didn't eat, didn't do anything. Just laid there.
2: What do you think you would say to the younger self if you could?
1: That it's not my fault. That it wasn't my fault. That I didn't ask to be abused. Abusing my sister was wrong, no doubt. I have to forgive myself. And, and still, there are days that I'm pretty rough on myself. Mm-hmm. You know, because those old memories kick back in. Just have to keep remembering that.
2: Yeah, and, you know, there's a lot of, like, inner child work that goes on with getting clean where, you know, I've heard you say, like, in another, you know, interview before, is, like, we still feel like we're so young because we don't grow after that point. No, man,
1: I feel like I'm a 14-year-old
2: kid. (laughs) Yeah. Still learning. What does it feel like being uh, sober over 12 years now?
1: I can't, you know, in the book they tell you, you, know that, if you'll get sober, you'll be gifted beyond your belief. Mm-hmm. Crack of shit that is, you know. Bullshit, it happens, man. Yeah. So many more opportunities have came my way, uh, whether it's doing a movie. I've done several movies.
2: You're uh, doing a new one. Tell us about the new one.
1: Yeah, well, doing a new one, it's about my life. That's cool. Yeah, Which is pretty wild. But uh, I did Peanut Butter Falcon, which I'm very proud
2: of. Oh my god, I forgot to mention that. Yo, yeah. let me tell you something. So I watched your documentary probably like five months before peanut butter falcon yeah peanut butter falcon probably like one of my favorite movies uh it's like a, a remake of huckleberry sure Finn. it's just incredible and when i saw you come out at the end i was at the movie theater like do you guys know who that is and i remember just like, <laughs> because, like shut the fuck up <laughs> well it's like when i watch your documentary like i don't know what happened after that yeah, i don't know right. if you stayed sober or whatever right. so when i saw you at the end of Peanut Butter Falcon, yeah. I was like ecstatic. I was like, that is so sick. And I yeah. remember just like looking to my left and right, like, do you guys know who Jake the Snake is? Yeah. So that was so cool. Wow.
1: I started doing things like that. Then I got.
2: What was that experience like? Oh, it's brutal. Really?
1: Oh my God. It was Savannah
2: in the summertime. It was
1: hot. 110 yeah. degrees. And we're filming
2: inside of a metal building. Or outside the ring. Who called you to do that? They, they, uh, someone contacted yeah, your agent yeah, or something. Yeah. So you didn't call them. No, they just happened to say, no. "Hey, you know what would be cool if we had Jake the Snake come they out." They wanted me. Wow.
1: They wanted
2: me. Wow.
1: So it was awesome because you know Mick Foley was also in it, but uh, no, it was a great experience. Except that heat really just killed us.
2: Mm-hmm. It, it was, was so
1: friggin' hot, man. And these Hollywood people, bro. I don't know, man. You know, acting to me is just going out and just doing it. Mm-hmm. It's not that way for them. They don't have the same process that I do.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm going to nail it well, the first well, time. Like they wanted to rehearse and rehearse. And oh, rehearse they them. want
1: to rehearse till your balls fall off. Wow. You know, and then they want to retake and retake and retake. After three takes, brother, you're not getting anything any better from me.
2: Yeah.
1: I've already hit you with my A list, my B list, and the C list is for cocksuckers that want too much.
2: <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's incredible. What do you see in the future for you? What, what do you want to oh, do? I, I see a Mickey Rourke playing you. Oh, no, yeah. Yeah, well, actually, they've got
1: somebody picked to play me. Okay. Josh Brolin. Okay. Which I think would be
2: fucking awesome. And they're going to make, yeah, because a Jake the Snake movie would be incredible. Yeah,
1: Yeah, there's going to be a movie.
2: That's cool. That's what's on the burner. That,
1: and I'm doing, uh, like I said, doing these uh, Days of the Dead thing. The signing. Yeah, the signings. We're doing one in Vegas, one in L.A., one in Chicago, Indianapolis, and Boston.
2: And you're telling me you're doing stand-up. And I'm doing stand-up. Who would have thought a guy couldn't, you know, touch his own toes squat and even move? Yeah. Using smoking crack for 20 years.
1: Smoking crack for 20 years and going from not being able to put a sentence together. Yeah. Because you know how it gets when you get smoking that shit. You get dumbed out. Mm -hmm. Everything's possible, man. Not only is everything possible. But so much more is possible than you can even think about.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I remember someone explained to me once is that, you know, what are the things that you know? And what are the things that you don't, that you know you don't know? And then what are the things that you don't even know that you don't know? Right. And it's like recovery is in the realm of things you don't even know that you don't know. Like it's so beyond. Oh, you yeah. don't even know yeah. what, what yeah. could happen. Yeah, the same know?
1: thing is uh, this is not the beginning, this is not the end. Mm-hmm. This is not the beginning and the end, yet it is the end <laughs> of the beginning.
2: Yes, there you go. <laughs> See, your brain's working great. Yeah, it's still tied in. So tell me about the stand-up.
1: He's just telling
2: road stories. Yeah. Yeah, just, just cracking road stories, crazy shit that happened in the ring where it was... what What's uh, one of, like, your best
1: stories that you tell? Uh, I There's, can't, I won't tell my best ones. It's too dirty? <laughs> yeah, it's too, too raunchy. Okay. Andre holding me down in the ring and farting on me for 40 seconds.
2: Andre the Giant? Yeah. Oh, my God. For
1: 40 seconds, he he, farted. He would fart on command?
2: (laughs) Oh, no.
1: It sounded like wind was whistling through a tunnel. And this wasn't planned? It fucking rank. No, he could do it on
2: call. What a sicko.
1: Yeah, he could do it on call, man. Shit like that or. Catching somebody on the shitter and then throwing the snake over the top. Oh, no. On top of them is a great day. Oh, wow. It's a great day. There's all sorts of crazy things that happen on the road, man. Snake getting loose in the hotel room, breaking the toilet, (laughs) water going everywhere.
2: Insane shit. Cool. Hey, well, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, man. It's a pleasure to meet you in person. absolutely. Huge fan, and I'm so happy for you. And, uh, you know, I just want to say that... um, A lot of times when we have like celebrities on the show or stuff Mm -hmm. like that, it's not as, um, genuine as when we spoke to you yeah like when we spoke to you it was really genuine it was like hey man i want to share my story i am i want to help people this is what i want to do absolutely and um there was something really genuine about the whole experience with meeting you i just want to say thank you well thank you man
1: i really appreciate you you saying that that means a lot to me yes sir you know if people want to reach out and grab a hold of me they can do that several you know all the social media outputs thank you yeah you got all that shit
2: (laughs) thank you man appreciate it. peace the show is not affiliated with any specific 12-step program. If you or a loved one is struggling with an addiction, please find a local 12-step meeting. If you believe you may need detox or drug treatment of any kind, please call 833-999-1877 to speak to a specialist. The show is sponsored by United Recovery Project, a state-of-the-art drug and alcohol rehab facility. You can visit our website at unitedrecoveryproject.com.